Hello, everyone. I'm Dana Stewart Bullock, and this is Transformational Therapeutics. In today's podcast, I will be talking about language, Elon Musk, and artificial intelligence. I decided to do this podcast because I watched Musk on a TED Talk and was intrigued by his goal to create a common language for all of us. Because that is also the goal of transformational therapeutics, I will use this podcast to discuss the two different paradigms and their application. So welcome. Hi, Dana. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Today, I'm looking forward to the subject that we're talking about because we're really exploring two different paradigms. And I think through this conversation, we'll be able to understand the transformational therapeutics model a little bit better and how paradigms, language, communication, so many of the episodes that we've covered so far will be bringing in a lot of the topics into this discussion. Yes. And what brought this up is, it's sort of a long story, but recently Elon Musk has been in the news quite a bit. I don't really know anything about him, just what I sort of hear on the news. And so I listened to his recent, this April, TED Talk with the founder or the head of TED, and it was fascinating. So then I decided to do research more into him. And so I started listening to a Joe Rogan podcast where Joe Rogan interviewed Elon Musk. This was in 2020. He's actually done it three times, I believe, but the one I chose was in 2020. Mm. And as I was listening, I sort of alerted because Elon Musk talked about having a common language so that there would be less misunderstanding between people. Hmm. My ears pricked up and I thought, well, that's what I'm talking about. What, sure. what does he say about it? And that was the initial dive into it mm-hmm. when I listened to him. Because he and I are both saying similar things about language, that having a common language and a common meaning to the language is important to reduce confusion and to increase connection. I thought that today talking about it would be an interesting way of comparing paradigms because we're actually, he and I are in two different paradigms, but with similar goals. Mm. It really hit me and I was struggling to figure out how and why. And so I thought that we could talk about that and just expand the whole transformational therapeutics philosophy and see how it applies. Sure. I I think that'll be an interesting discussion so that we can understand the meaning of a shared language and how transformational therapeutics comes into play a little bit deeper through this example. So to start, what is that podcast episode, just in case of anyone to look it up? It's Joe Rogan's podcast number 1470 with Elon Musk, and it was recorded in 2020. Great. So the basic thing that perked your ears was his intent of wanting a common language to reduce confusion and create connection. Well, he didn't quite say it that way, but he talked about language being sort of fuzzy because it takes time to interpret. He was talking about the brain and he has a company called Neuralink and his interest is in connecting artificial intelligence to our brains. And I know his company is sponsoring research at a university in California. And he was talking about how we're essentially already connected to artificial intelligence through our phones, Mm -hmm. through our computers. We're already partially connected. 
And his intent is to physically connect with wires in the brain to have a more direct impact on the brain. And initially he was talking about using his ability to alter the brain for pathology like Parkinson's disease or somebody lost a limb and has limb pain, that sort of thing. And, and then he talked about helping paralyzed people walk. And some of that is already in the works in research and in labs right now. Mm-hmm. And then he evolved and started talking about language and the brain. And that's when my ears really perked up. He and, and Joe Rogan went back and forth. I've taken a few quotes out that I just thought were interesting and really sort of threw me for a loop. So he is in a paradigm wanting people to have the same language. I have a similar idea with transformational therapeutics, Mm -hmm. but without wires in the brain. Right. Because for me, language is an evolutionary fact in our lives. I've broadened the definition to all language, not just the language that is spoken. Right. And I also happen to know that language itself, spoken language, 70% of what we say is in the tone. And that is what people hear more than the actual words. Mm. And that actually comes from an emotional underpinning to the language. He did not talk about that. They were talking about interpretation factors. And Rogan said, you can choose to interpret certain series of words in different ways. And they're dependent on tone dependent upon social cues, even facial expressions, sarcasm. There's a lot of variables. One of the things I've said is there could potentially be a universal language that's created through computers that particularly young kids would pick up very quickly. This again is Joe Rogan. This is a quote. If you taught a child from first grade on how to use some new universal language, essentially like a Rosetta Stone, and something is done that can interpret your thoughts, and you can convey your thoughts with no room for interpretation, I think he means misinterpretation. Mm -hmm. So you're conveying thoughts with a language that everybody shares, and it would be very clear where you know what a person's saying, and you can tell them what you're saying, and there's no need for noises or for mouth noises. No need for all those sort of accepted ways that we've sort of evolved to make sounds that we all agree through our cultural dictionary, that we could bypass all that. And that was Joe Rogan talking. And Musk agreed. And he said with artificial intelligence and basically wires connected to different parts of your brain, you would be able to communicate very quickly and with far more precision ideas that you have. This is an interesting exploration into even just the the definition of language. As you said, that you have brought into the definition of language as we've discussed in multiple, if not every single episode of, of this podcast. And how language, when we say a common language, we don't often mean just English speaking English or Spanish speaking Spanish. We're talking about the same emotional language, what we're really saying, how we're really communicating, the similar emotion, similar understanding, similar perspective, communicating and receiving the body language the, through our five senses. There's so much And also I've talked at length about how when you learn language as a child, the emotional connection to it that is inculcated in you by the person who's teaching you Mm. and the the fact that you may not even be conscious of the meaning that you have. And I talked more about meaning and having a common meaning with someone with whom you're communicating so that you are in the same paradigm. So it's really kind of weird because he's saying the same thing 
He wants the language to be the same, but he's leaving out the whole emotional piece, the body language, the fact that if you have wires in your brain, for me, whatever's in your brain is in your body, as shown by Candy Pert and a bunch of other scientists, that the language of your body is so potent. It's just a fascinating subject. I am in a different paradigm than he is, and he is a different one than mine. And yet we're both talking about language, Mm -hmm. but we're not on the same page. Right. And I thought that would be a good example of how confusing it can be if you're not in the same paradigm. Yes. So often, if you're just looking from the outside in, we're using some similar words that we're looking for a common shared language. And a shared meaning. And a shared meaning. So from the outside looking in, it could seem that we're in the same paradigm. But when you really dig deeper, we're in two very different paradigms. So if you and Elon Musk were having a conversation about this and didn't know that you were in two separate paradigms, it could be extremely confusing. Yes. Which is something that all of us probably experience almost on a daily basis, I'd say, with various people in our lives. The conversation continued between Rogan and Musk. And Musk said, you would be able to communicate very quickly and with far more precision ideas that you have. And language would, I'm not sure what would happen to language, he said. In a situation like this, it would be kind of like the matrix. You want to speak a different language. That's why it would just download the program. Hmm. So my definition of language for transformational therapeutics is so much broader and much more holistic and takes in so many more aspects of what language is, including including the evolutionary aspects, the meaning, the tone, the body, the different forms of language. As I'm listening to this, I was thinking, okay, so we now know that there's chemical language, there's electric language, there are different kinds of language, and that trees actually talk to each other. Right. And flowers do also. Species do. My horses talk to each other and dogs and everything that is alive has a language of its own. And so I wonder if having electrodes in my brain and having the same language that you have, Rebecca, the same spoken language, He left out the whole aspect of meaning, which I thought was fascinating. Hmm, how so? It seemed like he made the assumption that whatever words we use would have the same meaning. Right. And what you just referenced before, as we learn words in our formative years, we will associate it with a particular emotion of that time or of that relationship to that person who we learn that language from. So it's interesting because if two people are using the same language but had two very different childhoods and one could have a beautiful meaning of this one word and someone else could have a terrorizing meaning of that one word, it's very hard to connect. So without the meaning, I feel like the meaning is everything. Right. And on that note, the whole emotional underpinning of language is not taken into account. Right. And that's the... Spoken language, I mean. Correct. There's a very famous man by the name of Thomas Kuhn who wrote a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, and he wrote about paradigms. A lexicon is the language of a paradigm. Okay. And Thomas Kuhn said, lexicon then gives access to its own set of possible worlds. So if I look at the lexicon of transformational therapeutics, which is all forms of language, bespoken and other forms. And then I look at the lexicon from what I can understand of 
of the neural link language that Elon Musk is talking about, if you look at those two lexicons, they take you in two different directions. Mm. His is a lexicon of artificial intelligence, not a lot of emotion, transmission of information and ideas within it. What I would see is it may not be limiting, but it's very uniform. Right. And in that uniformity, I think one misses out on the human aspect of the emotions, the experience, the many different influences on how we as humans communicate. It's fascinating to think about that we are emotional beings. Our emotions are in our bodies. And so what would happen if we took the emotion out of the language, but we still have emotions? We'd it's, they're still there. They're still part of us, still part of the brain and the body. But what happens if we learn language in a non-emotional way? Would we then just be even more stressed out than we are now because we're not able to correctly process those emotions or understand them? Or would we be better off? I mean, the emotions evolved over millennia in order to not only keep us alive, but also to bring us joy and pain and grief and pleasure survival in terms of we talked about the autonomic nervous system and fight flight freeze Mm -hmm. reactions i mean it's it's so fascinating because i think of the body as having a language of its own if i have a stomach ache that's a language talking to me Mm. and this model the ai model doesn't really take that into consideration and so i wonder as i look at society as it is now and kids are so addicted to their devices And yet the stress rate of kids is so high and the suicide rate is so high. And it seems to be a really important aspect of community and not just sort of an AI language community, but a community of just what it means, commune, to be amongst your peers and to be able to communicate. Communicate emotionally as well. I think that's something that might be missing with or might be different with our and it would current- be, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it would be really interesting because I, I don't know that much about him. I know he has Tesla and SpaceX and this Neuralink thing. But I wonder, for instance, if you and I were talking, I, I don't know if he's talking about it just in terms of AI and computer stuff, but I was thinking if, if you use the term my wife, my husband, you have a meaning inherent in that from your upbringing. Mm as do I. And my upbringing is very different from yours. So the word wife to me, although it means the partner of a man that's legally been married, it has such connotation with it because of how my mother was and how I saw her in her marriage. Mm. And the same with husband. And so my understanding of marriage and husband and wife is going to be very different from yours, even though we have the same terminology for it inherent in that in that understanding inside of us, each of us has a different experience. So it has a different meaning. Yeah, absolutely. We have the the, the shared cultural meaning of right. it, the shared cultural definition, I suppose, even what society would label that as, but we have very different emotional ties to what that might bring up in us before we even register it, like the force of... But we also have our own personal definitions by, from our experience. Right. How did we experience that person being a wife right. and that person being a husband? That will define for us. Sure. Interesting. Based on what you saw, but then also experienced yourself. So even between you and a sibling, 
you could have two very different meanings of what a wife and a husband were, even with the same parents and the same environment, just based on your different definitions, even growing up in the same environment with the same parents. But if they had different experiences individually, they could have different meanings on those words as well. And, and things as simple as parent. I mean, my parent, how I was parented is, I'm guessing, very different from how you were parented. Sure. So my definition of parenting came from that experience. Right. And although I know that the dictionary definition of parent is somebody who is, gives birth to an offspring, it's way deeper and more profound than that. And mine has a lot of emotional baggage attached to it because of how I was parented. Right. And I think everybody's does. It's just different emotional baggage, depending on our upbringing. Right. Which brings us all into different paradigms, would you say? Yes. And that's the whole point of transformational therapeutics is to define if I'm talking to you about parenting, like let's say we both had kids and we were talking about our philosophy of parenting, much of what we will be talking about is something that we experienced as children unless we've since that time changed it. Mm -hmm. Unless we talk about it and define it to each other, we will not be in the same paradigm. That's the whole point. Because otherwise you're not talking about the same thing. Right. And until you know what you're actually talking about, then you can truly connect and start to see the world through the other person's eyes, see your view through your own eyes even clearer, and then create a, a real connection. And so then I wonder about Elon Musk and doing the neural link and language and what impact it would have on people. Right. You know, if you, we just look at the, at the world right now today in April of 22, and we look at what comes at us through our screens. Mm -hmm. Depending on the screen you are watching, you get different information. And we're so polarized. And much of that polarization is happening because of what is coming through our screens. Sure. And because of the way that Google and Facebook and different companies program their algorithms, that impacts our brains already. Absolutely. And... I'll, I'll give you a, for an example. I have a friend who's just younger. She's in her 30s. And she was wanting to make an outline for a class, a teaching a class. And it didn't occur to her to initiate the outline from inside of herself. She had to go to Google and download a pre-existing outline and fill in the blanks. Mm. That was so foreign to me because it was from the outside in, and I'm so used to doing things from the inside out. Right. And I think we have a couple of generations who are doing it from the outside in. And I know I always said I wouldn't sound like my parents, but I'm starting to. That I think that's <laughs> not necessarily such a good thing. Well, it's interesting because I am in my 30s. I remember in school when we had research, we had to look in books. But then I also experienced what it was like to research in the Internet when that started becoming more available, I guess, to my school and my home and everything. So I have a little bit of both. And it's kind of interesting to see even and my husband is older than me and he doesn't think to Google something in ways that I do. But I also can appreciate what it meant to go and look through a pile of books for information. And sometimes it would be like, oh, that's just too hard. So let me just figure it out myself. And so I could even just see how it would be like what you said makes sense to me, how it would be if if it's not so easy to get it from the outside in. Like, well, it's easier to get it from the inside out. And so I'll just go there. Kind of fascinating. And also from, from a physical standpoint. 
the amount of other sensory input you get from using a book, just in terms of picking it up, using your touch, using your hearing, using your vision, using all of those different sensory um, apparatuses that we've talked about in some of the other podcasts that have such an impact on your brain, mm. to have something in your brain that's doing it for you really changes. You may be able to communicate ideas more succinctly and quickly. It may not be as messy. However, it has a downside to it. Yeah, it's interesting because hearing you say that to me, I have an aversion to what you're describing because I, at least, you know, being a meditation teacher and a huge practice in meditation is allowing discomfort and being with that. And through that allowing and ease in effort and discomfort, you can get to a, a real place of peace through a full spectrum of experiences. But for, through mastery. Through mastery. But that's my point. Is that and that is, that is child rearing. Mm. Done well. If, if a child comes up against adversity and overcomes it and learns skills, yes, they then have a whole ability of mastery that you don't get by having something implanted in your brain. Absolutely. And that's, that's also like the figuring it out to gather information, to go through hardship and get through to the other side and gain new perspectives and new clarity and new belief in yourself and new strengths and new skills. That's so worthwhile. And to me, that's the point of why we're here and well it's interesting because it really touches on the subject of what does it actually mean to be human right that these bodies and these uh, our being has evolved over millennia i found this corollary fascinating so we've evolved over millennia and evolved abilities and skills over millennia sort of hacking into the brain to me and i know this is a touchy subject is not that different from hacking into a virus in a lab in Wuhan mm. and seeing the result of that on humanity. And that may be just a preview of what might come. And if we look back from today and we look at children, we look at their lack of skills and their, I mean, emotional skills from much of it is from being on screens all the time. And so you don't get normal development. I see that as we have evolved to have so much instant gratification at our fingertips, we are then left craving something more. When, it, when so many things come easy, we're still craving something more. I'm also a somewhat new trail runner now. And in the trail running community, we have these conversations of there are people among us that go out for 100 mile and 200 mile runs. And that is because there's a desire to go out and suffer and move through that and overcome that and feel what it feels like to be human. Like we have this desire, like, and I just feel like it makes me curious at how easy a lot of things have gotten with technology that then we are going out and doing and finding other ways to get the difficulty that would have just been natural as hunter gatherers two things one is that we've evolved with the planet with all the beings on the planet all the plants on the planet we've all evolved together and to interrupt that we don't know what the consequences are mm -hmm. this is a time on the planet when we have more than ever in history more available to mm -hmm. us in terms of riches and abilities and everything that you could ever want and yet we are more unhappy than we've ever been Absolutely. in history. So I just wonder about hacking in to a brain like that. It, you're undoing evolution. That's a rather hubristic 
thing to take on. Well, it's also curious because I'm I'm curious to know your thoughts on this subject because a lot of people that I listen to will refer to how our surroundings have evolved so far in that our phones and our devices, but our brains haven't evolved that fast, that we still have primitive brains that seek pleasure and resist pain. And now we have immense amounts of pleasure available to us at our fingertips every five seconds. And I am just curious to hear what you think about our brains haven't really evolved all that much. So then if you put in something that has beyond evolved so much farther, what are your thoughts on that? The only thing I can liken it to is I just keep coming back to the SARS-CoV-2 virus, it being hacked and its impact on humanity. I just wonder, I mean, our our skills on some level have evolved way beyond our ability to manage them. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful statement right there. Them. And and they talked about that back in, you know, when the first atomic bomb was dropped. Mm-hmm. And it's only accelerated with the advent of computers. Well, just to bring it, I keep bringing it back to devices, but they are so a part of all of our lives that even just in the sense of we used to not have to make a lot of decisions. And as far as what I understand, that the decision part of our brain requires a lot of energy. And back in the day when we were hunter-gatherers, we didn't have a lot of decisions to make. It was, okay, we need to find food. Let's go and make, let's decide to go and find food. Let's decide to not, whatever it was. And now every time we pick up our phones, there's hundreds of decisions we have to make. And so even just that, in a sense, can create so much stress and exhaustion. And so just what you had said that we've we've evolved our technology so much, but we haven't evolved in our ability to handle it. We've gotten a little deep into the discussion in this this sense, but bringing it back to just seeing as as we've discussed that the difference between it can seem like we're in the same paradigm, but we're really not. And how how much how often does this play out in our lives? I think it plays out a lot as I watch over time. This is a a market example. And and so I was in my kitchen and I'm listening to this and I heard language and my ears, you know, popped up. And then when he went deeper, it's like, wait a minute. And and I consider myself somewhat of a maven on language the way that I define it. And it was such such a different way of seeing language than how I see it. So here we have two different paradigms and yet we're using some of the same words. It's like, Rebecca, if you and I were sitting and chatting like two women just hanging out, and talking about our husbands. I don't know what your definition of a husband is. And I don't know. I mean, I know what mine is. And so we could then, we, we might be talking about two different things. I mean, you know, we see people and, and we think, why did they get married? Like, what is it? And it wouldn't be what we would want. And yet, th- so those are two different paradigms, but using similar language. Right. I just imagine how clearly through our discussion, we've described how different those two paradigms were of language but how often in our everyday lives, like if the same thing were playing out with your partner, when you are talking about paying the bills, even the way you pay a bill versus the way your partner pays the bill might be two very different paradigms that might create a lot of conflict and you have no idea how to resolve it because you're using two different lexicons. Exactly. Yeah. And the lexicon defines the paradigm. So the more that you can talk about the actual language of your paradigm, mm-hmm. the more you can come to a common language. And a common, a common ground. I mean, we've, we've talked about this through every podcast, mm-hmm. you know, from stress to psyche to 
language to communication, right. connection, right. relationships, all so many things. Yeah. And that's why the model means so much to me because it covers all of that. And the most important thing is really defining for yourself and then for whomever you are with what it is you're actually talking about so you can then come to a common ground. If someone is listening to this and you are experiencing a conflict with someone close in your life where you're not seeing eye to eye, maybe get curious. Maybe you you might be thinking that you're in the same paradigm, but what if you're not? What if you're in two very different paradigms? So Rebecca, on that subject, for me, the most important thing is to ask the person that I'm talking to is, what do you mean by that? Mm. What is the meaning? What's your definition? How do you see it? Could you also ask that? How do you see what you're saying? Yes. So if it, let's use the subject of paying bills, because I feel like that, I feel like we, a lot of us have very different money paradigms without realizing it. How would you go about that? (laughs) If, If a couple were struggling with paying bills and you wanted to kind of understand the actual paying of bills or how they pay them i guess just figuring out what your each of your money paradigms are what the other person's and and doing it you know i remember in one of the podcasts and this has been something in me for a long time i ask questions all the time and people find it challenging and I, when I ask a question, I'm asking a question to invite you to go on a journey with me, mm. not because I'm challenging you. I want to know. I really want to know. And oftentimes I will, and I've watched people, I'll say, have you heard of so-and-so? And they get defensive. And, and I'm asking because I don't want to waste my time describing something that you already know. Right. So if, yeah, I've heard of her and I know about her. Okay, then we can move forward. Right. But I'm not challenging you. I'm just trying to make it more efficient. Absolutely. That's my, my husband, he, ever since he was little, he always wanted to know why. And as a child, he struggled a lot because he asked why all the time. And all the adults in his life thought that he was challenging them. And he, he'll tell you right now, he's like, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't ask why. Like, I just want to understand. Right. I want to know how things work. I want to know how you see the world. I want to know how things function next to me. I want to, I want to discover my own boundaries and my limits by asking why. And there's, there's also that, that story about walking in somebody else's shoes. For, mm. It's seeing through somebody else's eyes. I mean, you're asking to see how they see it. Right. You're trying to find how they perceive the world. Right. So how do you see paying bills versus how I see paying bills? Is, it's a perfectly innocent question, and it's actually quite opens up intimacy. It does. And that may be why people avoid it, because it opens up vulnerability. And it forces one to really examine themselves so that they can answer the question, why, why am I doing this? Right. And if you're my partner, then I should be able to explain to you why. Right. And if I have an attitude, then that is indicative of something bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and I've spent my life not only asking why, but also observing. Mm. I just love watching people and how they function. And once uh, my mother was in the hospital and she was old. And it's fascinating watching how old people are treated. Like the nurses don't realize how prejudiced they are. Mm -hmm. And so I would watch and my mother was in a hospital room by herself. She had been in a severe accident and she was in the bed by the door and there was a window that looked out on the Hudson River and there was no roommate. So she had raised her bed up so she could see out the window. Mm -hmm. And the nurse came in and said to her, I mean, what are you doing up there? Like she was senile or something. How strange. And my mother, being who she was, said, 
I'm levitating (laughs) because it was really a challenge. But if you took in the scene, why would a person raise their bed when you've got a beautiful river view and nobody in the way? I mean, that was not even thought of by the nurse. Right, right. How fascinating. So so for me, asking, I just love asking. I want to know. I want to know how people work, how they function, what my own self, my own body. Me too. I agree. Which is why it's so easy to talk. And I, and I wonder, you know, getting back to um, Elon Musk and this language thing, what came to me because I'm so body oriented. So if we have the same language because we have electrodes implanted in our brain and my knee hurts, how do I communicate that? What is the meaning of that? How, you know, it's just I just expanded it out into because our vehicles are our bodies. Right. We're not just brains. We're not just, as he says, <laughs> you are a brain in a vat. And that vat is your skull. And everything you see, feel, hear, all your senses are electrical signals. Everything. Everything is an electrical signal to a brain in a vat where the vat is your skull. Now, that's a quote. I um, have been doing cranial work for 30 some odd years. I don't see the skull as vat. But if everything is an electrical signal, how does that impact your your arm or your leg? That also has sensors to feel that. Sure. So I just found that fascinating. Right. I mean, I, I'm just thinking about if everything is an ele- electrical signal in a house, the, that electrical signal will still light up a lamp that's not in the original electric source, but the lamp is still affected by the electrical signal. So I imagine my finger is still affected by the, the electrical EMFs signal. And the EMFs that come from our devices are also impact us. It's just fascinating. And at one point, he said, we need some kind of mind viral immunity. We use all these devices. Our minds are already being controlled. Mm -hmm. This conversation is just really, we've gone and explored our our paradigm. But it's also, I think, just a really beautiful example of two different paradigms. When you really dig deeper, you can see how much disconnection and how much connection is, is there as a potential if you're in the same paradigm versus a different one. The basic point that we're making with this episode is to really display and show you what it's like when you're not in a in the same paradigm and to get curious about that and discover what your paradigms are so you can have a shared connection. Is that correct? That's yeah. Is there anything else that you'd want to well, add? Well, it was just really important for me to to present when I listened to this, how it sort of threw me off. And how much I wanted to discuss the difference, because I wasn't sure. It, it sort of threw me off, and then it's like, why? Because he's talking about language, but I'm talking about language, but we're coming up with two different outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, and so that we're in two different paradigms. And I thought it was a good, a good way to show how different paradigms impact us. Sure. And it's also interesting what you just brought up, too, that I think we learned something, at least I did, by having this conversation and getting more clear on our own paradigm. Absolutely. And so to use that as inspiration, that if you are having a disconnection with your partner around paying bills, that maybe by talking about it, you can not only understand your partner better, but you can understand yourself better and learn more about your own paradigm and how you see paying bills or whatever the subject is. And in talking to you, because I was listening to this by myself, it expanded my understanding just by watching your reactions and having this conversation. Mm. It expanded my understanding of myself, my own paradigm, 
or philosophy and also of what Musk is saying. Right. And I imagine that listeners went through that same experience in hearing our own perspectives. I'm, my hope is that they would also experience a, a strengthening in their own paradigm as well. Or an expansion of it. Yeah. yeah. Or an expansion. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Dana. This has been interesting. Very interesting discussion. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we would be so grateful if you would take a moment to subscribe, to rate and review. And we want to also take a moment to thank all of our subscribers and all of those who have taken a moment to rate and review us. We appreciate it so much. <laughs>